0: Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs.
1: Hello operatives and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host Rob Patterson, here with my co-host Don Chisholm. Yep. And tonight we are very fortunate. We have been joined by none other than Kimlin Tran, a (coughs) voice actor with experience in many different areas who's going to tell us all about voice acting. So, welcome to the show, Kimlin.
2: Yes, thank you for having me.
1: You are most welcome. Well, thanks for coming on. Mm -hmm. Um, Why don't we actually start with uh, your background? So, what made you get into voice acting?
2: Let's see. Well, I do know that I was, at first I wanted to be a writer, but what happened was that um, we were doing a job exploration course at my high school, which where we get to explore different kind of occupations about what to do for the rest of our lives. And the thing mm-hmm. is that they fig- they pretty much made this course so you can actually job shadow people, interview people in the field, get a feel for what they're right. what they're actually doing so you can see, oh is this really for me or oh this really isn't for me. For me, I thought I was going to be a writer anyway, so I decided to explore voice acting because well, I've always been that one person in class who actually got really into reading during during literature and english oh okay make it more like a performance and mm-hmm. and i just I decided to do do the voice acting thing because I was just very curious about it. And when I job shadowed this voice actor, I learned that voice acting wasn't just a matter of, oh, only um, extroverted actors can be actors. It turns out there's a process to it. There's a lot of technical issues that have to be figured out. And it's a very Mm -hmm. collaborative, creative process. And I figured, you know what? This is actually very interesting. I I actually want to give this a try. This is something that interests me a lot. Lots of problem solving
1: hmm And, oh. yeah. So did you actually get to shadow a voice actor?
2: Yeah, I got to shadow one or two of them, actually. I got to sit in on two huh. recording sessions for different actors. And mm-hmm. um, I got to watch them record for um, some anime. And mm-hmm. the way they went about it was that, um, uh, well, it's sort of like they have each, each line coming in. They didn't get to prepare for any of it. And it's sort of like they mm-hmm. had to act with what they had. And they, there it, it was a lot of things like, oh, the director needed the take to be in this way to get communicate this message across. And even though what the actor provided worked in the moment, the thing is that what didn't really contribute to the story. So it's right. very collaborative. And they had to work out, oh, okay. There was, it wasn't a matter of taking things personally. To them, it was just mm. a matter of like, okay, we're going to solve this problem together. We're going to make right. these characters come to life.
1: Hmm. hmm. I can see why that would be really attractive. I mean, you're taking a fictional character and literally bringing them to life and it's all in your voice. Mhm. Well, hmm, no, that's that's impressive. So, wow, okay. So, just watching this made you want to become a voice actor? Yeah. Okay, so what how did you go about it then? I mean, once you had your dream, what did you do to
2: make it real? I know for what happened was that uh when I, after I job shot my um my second voice actor, the studio that made the job shadowing possible was that they said, Mm -hmm. you know what, maybe why don't you get to see what the process is like behind the microphone itself. So they let me do one or two Wallace sessions. Well, Wallace stands for with all actors. So basically Mm -hmm. all the background stuff. So you can have a whole bed of sound in the background. So it actually sounds more organic, like people actually talking. And I had to follow the directions the best I could actually, Endure what a three hours three to four hour session feels like with all that screaming wow. and yelling and then it served like it was really draining and tiresome but it felt fun at the same time because again it's that problem-solving thing like you have to match the flaps you had to um, get the intention across instead of just making it sound like sound like you're just repeating words off the script mm-hmm. and um, so the first thing I ever recorded for was for Tweenie witches which is an anime done by Studio C no wait studio studio four degree C. Yeah. Yes, it and was. Yep. yeah. And um that was a really long time ago. And that um was. and um after I got home it's sort of like what else can I do? You can't just wait for them to keep calling me in. I had to keep practicing. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned for a lot of projects on the Voice Acting Club and I managed to get cast in a bunch of um, flash animations. And the first flash animation I recorded for my setup was so bad that they um they animated a cup over my character's mouth. <laughs> and since then I <laughs> had to I had to um I had to upscale my recording setup at least a little yeah. bit. Instead <laughs> of recording instead of recording onto a camera and extracting the audio from the camera and sending that in. So that was bad. Wow. I mean, yeah, you that get that is pretty bad. Yeah, you have to practice with, with whatever you can get, but at the same time mm. if you want to be in something that isn't a complete polished product, you're what you have has to sound pretty polished or at least as yeah, polished as they can get to before they edit it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you actually have your own home recording studio now? Like do you have actual room set up or anything like that?
2: Um, not yet. I do not have the room in my room because I, I, live in a very cluttered room <laughs> but i do have a desk set up with my own um, okay. neumann microphone right here inside a little right. foam box i might upgrade from mattress foam to acoustic foam sometime um uh, right. <laughs> i think i can well, afford all that it it's clutter just...
1: absorbs the sound right it acts as natural acoustic foam
2: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i wonder about that maybe it's not exactly as um as nice and clean as pillowfort technology or closet space technology, but it's basically mm-hmm. like, um, uh, as one p- person put it, like, oh, look, it's kind of like a cluttered baggage claim technology, I guess, because it's filled with all this right. like. Though I guess the sound would probably bounce off the book, so that might not be very great. <laughs> so they're yeah. like, oh, all these hard surfaces. That's not going to be very good. But you know what? That coat rack behind the microphone might do something mm-hmm. if it passes <laughs> yeah. right through the mattress foam. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, there is that, definitely. <laughs> so did the voice acting club then lead you to more professional roles? What, how did that work?
2: Um, since I was on, occasionally called in to record for anime at BangZoom Entertainment, that was some of the, my early professional stuff. Then for the Mm -hmm. voice acting club, I worked up my um, body of work. So I got a lot of practice and I got recommended to different things by recording for a lot of original projects as much as I could. Because, well, think of it this way. If I got cast in a whole bunch of uh, fan dubs, I'll only be compared to the people who are actually working on the actual dubs. So I couldn't Mm, really exactly call those performances mine. And the stretch that I can do when I was recording for parodies is basically, oh, it's kind of like um, Monty Python or Robot Mm -hmm. Chicken, where people understand that this is a parody. And the derivative, the fact that it's a derivative work is what makes my performance my own, but it's still not quite the same. So I tried to go for different original projects as I could. So I went for audio plays, indie games, student projects. And um, eventually some of these indie games got grew and became bigger projects. Alternatively, I do know that since I was building a body of work and letting people know that I was practicing my craft and doing whatever I could, some people kept mm-hmm. me in mind for when they were casting for bigger projects like Skullgirls or Dustin Elysian Tale. So those are mm-hmm. the bigger projects I ended up being cast on because I practiced so darn much and because I showed that, that yeah, I, I can do this.
1: Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Well, how... How long did it take? Because Dust and Lisey and Tail is a pretty big game, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is a pretty dang game. Dang game. It is a pretty big game. (laughs) I think at this point it sold roughly two to three million copies by now. So it's gone platinum. um, Wow, yeah. And um, let's see. I started voice acting in 2008. Dust got uh, Mm -hmm. released around 2012. So I do know that I recorded for Dust around um, 2011. So giving it some perspective, it took me roughly three years of um, me working and training to get the opportunity and then nail it. So Mm -hmm. in a way, it took me three years to get that role, just like how it took me two two to three years to get the role of Miss Fortune in Skullgirls. So, I mean, when you really think about it, every single actor... It took them years to get the role that they're getting at the moment because it, because right. what they're cast for is all their experience, not so much as their just just their voice. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. So a three-year overnight success. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, a three-year-old overnight. It's funny how I've heard that the average to be successful is ten year. That's for an overnight success. Mm. Yeah, and I know. Um, mm. I'm working on year eight right now um and the thing is that i'm still not necessarily a success because sort of like on one end i am working regularly as a voice talent i am getting paid Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's not enough to live off of though i will say that it it's not to say that everyone is experiencing the same thing since i do know some peers of mine who are living very very well off of their voice work because they work so darn hard and never stopped like they get Lots of residuals from working on commercials and different um, national campaigns, for instance, and mm-hmm. they just kept working and working, and working.
1: Right, right. Now, um, do you have an agent?
2: Um, actually, not yet, because an agent wouldn't be able to t- take me in without a commercial demo. Because commercials, those are the bread and butter. They will, mm-hmm. they make more money because there are more commercials out there than of video course. games and yeah. animation. Now. I mostly specialize in character work at the moment, but I have been practicing with my commercials as much as I could. It's just that it's not yet at a level that I think is satisfactory enough to get a proper demo. So I still need to keep practicing and working in the pen mileage. If there was well, in in drawing, it's pen mileage because all that all the mistakes you make is experience. Everything you do, good and bad, that's experience. I'm still working out my experience to it, till I think, yeah, this is good. And I get more peers to actually say, yeah, I'm going to affirm that this is good. Yeah, I think you're competitive. I was about to say, I did get cast in several um, commercials and ad campaigns, but it's sort of like um, they didn't make it to um, the final cut because, well, it's a creative process that some things change. Some mm-hmm. people want different sounds to certain things and. Well, that is just the creative process and that's just how it goes. No different from hmm. working on the anime and realizing, you know what, that take is great, but you we can't use it, so that's the creative process.
1: Hmm. As long as you still get paid. <laughs>
2: yep. I mean you're getting paid for the work that you're putting in, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't matter. It's nice if it gets on the air, but the money is the more important part. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, oh, the thing is that uh, I will say that it would not, it'd be really nice to get on air, but y- you got to do what you got to do. And you're like, OK, well, I guess having the rent until the next next commercial or the next uh, audition to come in or the next casting would be important. It's good to not starve.
1: Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Now, go on your turn. Okay.
2: Well, I was going
0: to wonder, because um, you've mentioned um, getting jobs in that. I've noticed for uh, a lot, especially for the, uh, the animation, you tend to hear the same people over and over. Now, is that by design, or is that just kind of some weird circumstance that comes up?
2: Hmm. Well, this is a really fascinating one, because um, on one end, everybody... You these are These aren't done by just one studio. Oftentimes, they're done by different casting directors, different studios, and sort of like it's not so much as they're all collaborating together and saying, "Yeah, let's put this voice actor in uh, the leads of every single thing we're working on." Sometimes it's just on accident. Like for instance, mm-hmm. sort of like um, they don't. They everyone is going for the certain archetype. And then for some reason, certain actors embody this archetype so darn well that they become the voice for these characters. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that sometimes I've heard from them that sometimes they have to worry about the possibility of being oversaturated. Because when that happens, sometimes they go one or two years of being like, crap, now they can't employ me because they're afraid of me being overused. What do I do? (laughs) So so it's, it's kind of a worry for them too so pros and cons it's kind of like feast famine kind of thing for voice actors right. and um uh, right. on on one hand it's sort of like some people worried that oh they're only cast because they're popular but well i would say that they would have to be good or they had to have done something right to be cast like um they had to be in, they had to have networked really well they had to have um they had to have basically all that um, experience behind them, the, the right acting choices, um, something unique that they bring to their performance aside from their voice. Because there have been times I've been told that when I was auditioning for Fidget, I was told that everyone else used the same voice as I did. So everybody had the same Fidget voice. But the only thing that made us different was very different incremental qualitative Aspects to our performances Like some of us had more Like more perk to our to our um, performances Some of them were, had A little more subdued approach to it Very subtle things that made That was kind of like Comparing like teeny tiny differences In gradients for instance Kind of like great all these are different shades of grey Maybe even 50 shades of <laughs> And then we had to figure out which one Is the right shade that will actually match With the, with the windows Or something like that so mm. it's it's really whoa so it's very fascinating stuff
1: that like that well obviously you uh, you've thought about this a lot
2: yeah i have done casting for some um video games like mm-hmm. for uh for adult swim games and um mm-hmm. for uh for sony and um and it was, it did come down with sort of like, you know what? I want to hear some new talents, and um, I'm open to hearing new talents. And at the same time, it's like, you know what? I like working with this talent again and again because they always offer something new and interesting that that mm. they're that I would like to share with the world. And it's sort of like it's it's an interesting mix of like, um, you know what? These are new talents. They bring something new to the table, and at the same time, I haven't worked with them before, so I don't know if I. Uh, if I am comfortable working with them yet. But at the same time, there's the first for everything. The people they worked with forever were new at some time for, for them, so.
1: So did actually working as a, on the other side of the mic and in, in the director or producer role, did that actually change the way you perform yourself?
2: Um, only a little bit because it's sort of like I realized that um, as an actor, I had to keep in mind that different projects ask for different things. Like, um... Mm-hmm. Like realizing that um, when I was recording for for Skullgirls, for instance, I realized that okay, mm-hmm. I can't just take forever with these lines. These are short and quick because there has been one or there have been one or two lines I've recorded for Skullgirls that went on for too long. That if it, it's only within moments that the character gets punched in the face while they're talking and it just cuts off the line. So <laughs> I had to keep in mind that okay, so we have to remember what these um, that these lines have to be short and quick and to the punch so so to speak mm-hmm. right, and yeah, um <laughs> i had to keep that in mind when i was when i was um uh casting for for rainstorm rivals because it's sort of like we have to keep this um short quick we can't even though your one liners are really awesome that it, it goes on way for way too long and some of the de- death noises great but not too long because it's kind of like well you're just you're just fainting and dying instead of, like, going on. So not, nothing extravagant.
1: <laughs> wow. So death noises are an actual skill in your in your profession.
2: I, it's sort of like I do know that there are lots of times where we ask for different kind of death noises. But the thing mm. is sort of like... I, it depends on what the game is capable of portraying or what they're asking for. Like, is this, are you burning to death or are you falling or are you just, um, <laughs> wh- where are you getting destroyed? Your head or your chest?
1: Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's
2: so it's kind of, or it's kind of like, okay, you're being, you, are you dying from uh, poisonous gas, for instance, or, or are you dying mm-hmm. from something bursting out of you? So it's lots of like... Right a good you have to have a good sense of your the physicality or control Mm -hmm. over what parts of your body do what it's kind of like part of your instrument
1: right yeah i could see that now when you're recording do you actually like jump up around the room how active physically are you when you're recording
2: well usually i sit down which is not ideal it would be nice to stand up but at the same time um there's a difference between just saying um Go over there and pointing your finger and going go over there because
0: right
2: because it's sort of like you can feel it. There's a slight ten- tension as you adjust your chest, for instance. So doing hand motions actually help a lot as long as you're not hitting the microphone. Mm. And um, like that would be bad. if you like, for instance, just stretching just makes such a big difference to just saying oh that makes a big difference. There's a lot of physicality right, to this. And if you can, try not to wear anything that would make too much noise. Because I've had heard a story of one voice actor that had squeaky clothes. So he had to take oh. off his shirt during a session to record. So that was a little awkward. <laughs> so no jangly, <laughs> jingle jangly right. jewelry. And right. um, nothing that is squeaky when you breathe. Hmm.
1: Well, do you have a pre-voicing, like, uh, prep that you do? Do you have some ritual or something you do before you do your recording sessions?
2: Um, Let's see. It depends. For me, I don't do it too much, but I do do a little bit of a warm-up if something um, demands a lot of screaming. So I would have to try to make sure that um, I am really hydrated, for instance. I would have to make sure that I'm actually well-fed, because I have been to some sessions without eating because I got too excited and I didn't want to, like, feel too bloated because right. there's some there's times where I've recorded and I had too much food in me so I couldn't get enough air into me to, to um, yell. But so there mm-hmm. are times I forgot to eat and then instead my stomach will be growling during the session, ruining takes. So <laughs> that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, Very bad. <laughs> as much as I can... Um, to warm up, I try to read everything out out loud as much as I could. So when I'm driving, like to a session, I would be reading all the signs out loud. Um, just read, read, read.
1: Have you actually ever had your voice just give out on you?
2: Um, I had have it got sore, but mm. it's sort of like I try to rest it just for a little bit. Um, I haven't mm-hmm. had it give out completely yet. Not yet, though. I've had heard lots of scary stories about that, and it's like oh, wow, I do not want to be in your shoes because for them, they have another session like the next day or something and they have to reschedule it. Oh.
0: Huh. I gotta say I'm kind of fascinated by uh, your discussion about things like the, the the death noises and the injuries and that. Because um, that's something, first off, that nobody thinks about. And it reminds me of that Simpsons episode where they're filming Itchy and Scratchy. Okay, he's got a rusty chainsaw. No, rustier! Now, does rest here. things like that actually happen? <laughs>
2: Um, a little bit, yeah, because it's sort of like, um, like, when you think about something, like, in for that example, it's sort of like, okay, rustier. that means it's kind of like maybe a little more dull, so that means it's probably going to be much more painful if it's more, having a harder time working into you, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, some examples, I did record for a military game earlier, I didn't, I had to guess what kind of injuries these, um, the, that I had to do for the death noises because I wanted to give them variety <laughs> instead of just, like, you know, getting shot or getting blown up. I had to look through the files and see, okay, those are the names of all the aliens or monsters that are going to kill me. So you have something like the extractor, and I'm just like, oh, extractor. That means they're going to take something out of me. So I had to just imagine that I'm getting eviscerated in different ways. and um, Or you have something like, um, not bloater, but I need – I can't remember the name of the, the monster because it might be a placeholder name, but it's something like mm-hmm. something that explodes or think Boomer from the Left 4 Dead games. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's something that explodes or something that just vomits stuff on you. So think acid vomit. So things are melt. So your skin's melting and you have to feel these things just like ripping away at your face. It's just really <laughs> awful things happening to you <laughs> for video games. Wow. And Don't
1: you ever worry that... Someday you're actually going to need help. You're going to be recording. And you're actually going to need help. And your family aren't going to come because they're all going to think, oh, she's just recording lines.
2: <laughs> I worry about that sometimes too, actually, because they have, Because se- it's sort of like... I think my sister told me that she did. She can hear the difference between me acting and me actually being scared. She told me that one time, and I was all like, "Oh, dang it, Tammy! I have to up my game to not sound like I'm acting." But then, but then at the same time, it's kind of like, "Tammy, get in my room! Get in my room! Get in my room! There's a spider! There's a spider! There's a spider! There's a spider! spider. Get in the room! Get in the room!" And it sounds really frantic, and uh, and sort of like she just doesn't come because I'm like, "No, there's a spider coming! Please!" And have to use my cell phone to call her up. Okay. So I ha I though I will say that um I have heard a story about Lucian Dodge, who who is my mm-hmm. co star in Dust. He's right. uh, there has been a time when he was recording for a project and sounding like he was dying and someone did call nine one one on him. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess... It may be a it may be a mix between my family being like, eh, she's acting and people going, Oh no, that's not acting. We're calling the cops.
1: <laughs> right, right. That's well, why I you need you a safe a... word. Oh, yeah, it's true. Safe word. You need a safe word. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I need
2: a safe word.
0: No duff is good. N- no duff? No duff. No yeah, duff. it's a military. Yeah, you use it when uh, in the military on exercise. If somebody's actually injured rather than simulated, that's the term. No Ooh.
1: duff. Okay, no that's
2: duff. good to know. on. Huh, who knew? Okay, so no duff beer. No Duff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No Duff beer. What, what is it an acronym? What does it stand for?
0: I've never met anybody who actually knows where that word came from.
1: Okay. It might, the Simpsons.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Simpsons. Everything is because of that. It's probably like there was some guy back in the Civil War that he was like Corporal No Duff and he was always like pulling the fake injury thing to get out of like parade. And then one day he got eaten by a wolf. And that was in honor of that. They decided to use that as the term for somebody actually got hurt.
1: Oh, so it's like what we call prostitutes hookers. Okay. that That's the legend. Anyway, I once heard is that we call them hookers because there was actually a, either a general or a commander in the civil war who was very named hooker, who was actually very fond of uh female companionship mm-hmm. of the night. So that that became a slang term during the Civil War for to describe prostitutes. So that's why they called oh. the hookers. Huh. That's, that's a version I heard. I don't know if that's true or not or if that's just one of those stories. But, yes, yeah, it's just one of those weird military things.
2: <laughs> we learn things today.
1: Well, I, I am a teacher. God help me.
2: <laughs> and now you
0: know. <laughs>
1: and knowing is half the battle. Joe. <laughs> oh, she gave the correct response. Oh, I love you, Kimberly. <laughs> hey. All right. So, speaking of that, so which, so you worked on videos and you worked on video games. Which is harder?
2: Um, hmm. Because they ask for different things, so it's hard to tell. It's like comparing. Okay, which one's harder? Uh, uh let's see. Um, getting juice from a lemon or from an orange, and it's kind of like I don't know.
1: Do you have one you prefer to record? Like, do you prefer video games? Are they easier to record? Or, like, or you know, videos are?
2: Let's see. Well, recording for anime is a lot of fun. Um, that's because mm-hmm. I usually get to go into the studio for that. For video games, right. it's the same way. Um, there's It's a lot free, more freeing for video games because you don't necessarily have to match to pictures as much unless they really mm-hmm. ask you to for, like, for cutscenes. Um, right. I think the closest, I haven't done this one yet, but I do, I have studied it about, um, when you record for video games that were originally in Japanese, for instance, and you have to do echo repeat, where it's, which is a lot like ADR, automatic dialogue replacement. Is that the right word? Dang it. Um,
1: it's it a lot is. for... ADR's on- Automatic dialogue replacement,
2: yes. Yes, I did it! Okay! Ooh.
1: Congratulations.
2: <laughs> Yay! Good job, me! It's a lot like recording for anime in that you have to uh, match the sound file, but you only get to hear it, so you don't have a visual cue as much. So, I haven't done that so much, but mm-hmm. I do am familiar with it. That one sounds a mm-hmm. little complicated, but I think... Well, as long as you have the director as your guide, you can... Um, help figure out the problem such as hey um you need to speed this line up and you have to find out the emotional reason why you are speeding this line up instead of just doing it um physically Mm -hmm. such Mm -hmm. as there's a difference between like you know what you need to slow this line down but you're angry so you're thinking okay you're trying to slow down because you want to let the listener know that you mean every word you say you need to speed that up you're trying to attack the person with your words, so you need to speed up so it's okay mm-hmm. so that's stuff like that um for video games i think it's a lot more free for me so it's kind of like okay um uh there's not it's sort of like i get as much time as i would like to record this and that
1: Mhm. But don't you have to record the same line over and over and over again for video games? I mean, there's not just a story where you're going through a scene. You just have to record that one line again and again, don't you?
2: Well, it's no different than recording for uh, for anime and for um, animations and so on. You have to do the line over and over until you get the one that works best.
1: Okay. So you don't record by scene then for anime or for videos? You record just by line?
2: Um... Pretty much, it's in a way. It's a little bit by, by scene, but it's kind of like it is by line by line. I know for Dust, for instance, we know that this that this cutscene is one whole scene, and we had to do one line over and over, and then we um, we would just do it over and over until we complete the scene. Sometimes we would try to do one whole read through to get a more organic feel for it, or mm-hmm. we just go through the whole thing in one one go, and then we adjust individual parts. Or we get a good feel for how the scene is supposed to go, then redo the whole thing again in one go. It really is up to the director and how they would like to get the performance out of the actors.
1: Hmm. Now, when you've been doing studio work, are you usually alone in the studio, or is there other people there with you? I mean, literally in the recording room.
2: Um, it depends on the project. Like for um, for in Skullgirls, I recorded by myself for all of my roles, like Misfortune and Robo Fortune and mm-hmm. in most um anime things i've recorded for uh when i recorded walla i usually recorded with um a group of other people so we can get a whole group of people so it's kind of like oh we need a room filled with 50 people okay so five mm-hmm. people record five loops or or five versions so that's like 50 people it's a lot easier with a group of people than just one person which i've heard is actually done because one time i did record for an anime that's coming up but i'm not sure if i can talk about it yet um i actually had to record um incidentals and walla with another person with me and we basically um it was the most fascinating thing ever because i just came into the room early for my session and I just saw there was another group of people doing the same scene so we were layering multiple groups of people and then my two and me and my um, co-worker recording for another group of people and I think they were layering multiple people and multiple groups into one scene so that was interesting I do know that when we were recording incidentals together like people who are like uh, aside from just doing Walla, actual people who are in the scenes like, oh, hello, neighbor. Hello. The people you'll never see again, usually. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, we actually worked off of each other because we were multiple incidentals in the same scene. Like, oh, two girls who are t- talking smack about the main character here and they're just talking to each other. So right. we got a more organic feel instead of just going in one at a time. Like when I did incidentals for K-On. So. Hmm. Okay.
1: Interesting. So, when you're doing the videos, you've mostly done anime. So they're show you're watching the actual scene on a cam- on a monitor while you're recording.
2: Yeah, and um, it's usually on a screen, and then they would just play mm-hmm. play the preview for us, so we can get a feel for what the scene is about what what's going on. Listen to the director's note, and then we just go. They just cue us in with with beeps. one, two, three three and then we go on the fourth imaginary beep like one two yeah. three go and then we just go through the scene and we just work off each other the best we can i will say it, it is trickier when we are doing the incidentals working off each other because we only had one set of beeps and we both had to match the flaps without getting cued in as much too. so it's kind of like we had one set of beeps and then i have to watch my my um co-star go off of that beep then i have to match the flap as my character's mouth opens and perform the script from there and we just work off of each other so that one's tricky
1: yeah that must be really tricky that must be a hard skill to match the flaps like that
2: usually the the writers do a good job of um having the flaps match the writing or the writing match the flaps rather and um thank goodness for good writers and if something is off like we speak a little faster than usual or we're actually getting more words in because well that's what the scene calls for the director would director and sometimes the actor would have to um, make adjustments to the script and there are alternate reads to the to the lines too that we can perform instead.
1: Right. Are you ever allowed to just improv?
2: Um usually for for Walla yes because there's so much going on in the background that we just make things up. So as as long as we're not saying anything that would get the studio or the the show in trouble. Like, we can't say any name brand products like Kleenex or uh, Q-Tips. You have to say something like Cotton Swab or um, Napkin instead. Mm-hmm. And um, not, we can't say anything religious. And um, I know n- profanity is kind of an iffy one, depends on the show. And uh, we get to say random stuff like, "Oh, okay." The scene calls for you being shocked and amazed with this uh, performer, and one, two, three, mm-hmm. go! And I have to say, I have to come up with something as fast as I can, and we have to <laughs> keep talking as much as we can until the end of the scene, or not the end of the scene, but the end of the the loop.
1: Right. So, wow. Well, have you ever been tempted to try to sneak anything into Walla?
2: <laughs> oh yes, I've been so sneaky. i I'm trying to imagine. Him. Uh, Let's see I'm trying to imagine any good ones Um because I know I know some friends of mine who' have snuck in like a whole backstory about these two people who keep showing up throughout <laughs> this one show talking about about how basically there's this one episode had to do with a sports game, and the thing is they were just mm-hmm. talking back and forth about about sports terms that make no sense that have nothing to do with baseball, and they're just like, "Oh, I guess you're talking about that now." so they have they snuck in a whole story between these two people who have no idea how to play baseball. <laughs> And I think, I'm not sure if it's in the final cut. I would have to check, but uh, the director didn't stop them, so I guess it's in the script. I guess it's, it's recorded. Wow.
1: Yeah, once it's there, yeah.
0: Now, have you ever had anything go like a uh, full old-school speed racer on you where everything is just out of sync and the lines don't fit and it ends up being unintentionally mystery science theater material?
2: Um, I'm trying to think because I think, like, when everything doesn't fit and everything's just just um, all kinds of crazy... Uh. Hmm, because usually I get we we've worked, we've come so far from that that it's kind of like okay everything matches in, in everything but man oh. what I would give to work on a gag gag dub where everything is just <laughs> made just to make fun of everything because I the closest thing to me working on a gag dub would probably be fourteen four stars Dragon Ball Z A Bridge but that's a parody and we don't match flap in that mm-hmm. one we record it kind of like prelay because they're gonna. Adjust the flaps to match us, and they actually hired um, animators for extra lift, lift uh, mouth shapes now. So, oh, wow. yeah, but that's only for um, Team Four Star, and that's a parody. So I'm not. Sh- I have, mm, I want to work on a gag dub so badly. They sound like <laughs> they're having so much fun.
1: Well, if anyone out there is working on a gag dub, you know who to call.
2: Mm. Yes. <laughs>
1: And if the Ghostbusters don't work, you can call Kimlin. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so Kimlin, <laughs> I have a question then. Has community played a role in your success so far? Like have you has um have you found that you really benefited from being part of the voice acting community?
2: Yes, I would say, because it's sort of like um like I said from the beginning that um most people who were in charge of the bigger projects, they kept me in mind because of what I was able to work relatively consistently Consistently, And they were able to hear hear me what, act and know what choices I tend to make as a performer. And um, for instance, I was very active on the voice acting club and um, Devin Mack was casting for a dust and he knew that I auditioned and worked on a lot of projects from the voice acting club. So he had me audition for Fidget and a whole bunch of other characters, but Fidget was the one I got. Um, okay. Let's see. And I think um, Christina heard me work pretty much all over the place, so that's how she kept me in mind for that, for Skullgirls.
1: Right. Okay, so some of these people that you're meeting to the voice acting club and other places, they've gone on to become part of the industry and they remember you, so they help to get you jobs, basically.
2: Yeah, and um, it's sort of like when I worked in certain communities, like, say, for Newgrounds, a whole bunch of animators who shared all their works on Newgrounds have gone on to do <coughs> bigger things out there and they kept me in mind. Like, um... Hmm. I do know like I've been uh I followed a whole bunch of people on Deviant Art for instance and some people they ask for for voice voice not voice talents, but I do know like for for instance for Kagemono, which is a student film, mm-hmm. um the animator was asking for what should I do because to get um, better characterizations out of these sound audio clips for these foxes. And I said, well, mm-hmm. D. Baker, D. Bradley Baker, and Frank Welker, the reason why they're called do the voices for like Perry the Platypus, or for Flit, or for Miko, or for Abu, mm-hmm. is because um, they needed more specific acting choices for these characters that are a bit anthropomorphized with these more human characteristics. Which is kind of like the, uh, the sounds are still animal, but the, the personality is more human. And um, so I pretty much offer my, offered my services to Sabrina. And um, after working with her, she has gone on to work on um, Gravity Falls and um, Star, Star Butterfly mm-hmm. versus the Forces of Evil or something yes, like Star that.
1: Star versus the Forces of Evil. Star versus awesome the force, Forces
2: of Evil. Yes. And she's gone on to work on those shows. So you just never know who you're going to work with. You just have to um, keep working with people because some people are just starting out and, well, they're just going to keep going.
1: Yeah, and you never know where they're going to end up. So you should definitely treat everyone with respect.
2: mm -hmm, As much as you can.
0: Now, do do you find that um, when you're doing a voice for specific characters, do you get a lot of say in that character? Or do you find a lot of that is given to you at the beginning?
2: Most of the time it's given to me at the beginning. Very rarely do I have a say over the, what the character is going to be like. Um, I know for in the case of RoboFortune, I did get a say on what she would be like, but I, I trusted Lab Zero so much that I let them um, write the script for RoboFortune and incorporate her into the lore of Skullgirls. Because they did ask, okay, what kind of stuff would she say? And I just came up with um, some choice puns for her. And then <laughs> sort of like, oh, is... They were all like thinking about what kind of relationships would she have with these characters, and I said, "Oh, I think she would be a bit like this." And then they just wrote the scripts, and I and I said, "Yep, I approve of these scripts. This is what she would be like." Though, so, but it's not always like that for certain characters or certain shows because it's often expensive to write in new lines for video games, for instance. Because what? I was I was told for Fidget that I was um, recording some really wackadoo noises for Fidget, and they decided to keep. That line in the game itself, I didn't know that even even though that Dean was w- making the majority of the game himself, it still costs money to hire the the transcriber to say right type in <laughs> whoosh, 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 whoosh. so they actually had to add that line to the game <laughs> and change everything just to type in all that that crazy mess of things,
1: okay.
0: That sounds like a nightmare job. How do you spell? Try it with a Q. I don't, know, I don't know,
2: but they they did type it out though. Lots of Z's and X's and O's and E's and W's. S <laughs> H and possibly SH- drinking. <laughs> Rob, they were like, "Oh no, I have to type this one out." Okay, <laughs> so.
1: Going back to the community thing do you have to live in los angeles to be a voice actor i mean i know you're california based i think you're in la right
2: um i commute to la but i am based oh, okay. in southern california um yeah. i will say that for more remote works you can basic. there's right now there's a lot you can do from home surprisingly enough right. like for instance um like heroes of new earth is recorded remotely. Mm-hmm. And I recorded pretty much all four of my characters from home, but right. but for something like Skullgirls where they ask for a an LA cast, I had I basically had to be in Southern California for that. For um, Juden, well, which was announced um, a while ago, I had to be in New York for that one. But that was me just being in the area, and they I was um, fortunate enough for them to let me come in and record for that. But for Texas stuff, like for Funimation, I I would have to be part of the talent pool there and be able to go to Texas to record for those anime.
1: Right. Because I know from the scriptwriter side of things, um, I know from a couple professional scriptwriters that they talk about how you pretty much have to live in L.A. And it's not because you can't send your script in, it's because the way you're going to get work is by actually talking with other human beings, i.e. other script writers and producers and everyone else in L.A. You have to be at least available physically in that area because that's how you're going to get work. And that's, that's how you're going to meet people and make the connections.
2: That sounds about right because it's sort of like I, if, I think one disadvantage I have for living so far away from, say, Burbank or L.A. is that I'm not really close enough to a lot of my peers who are like, going to each other's um, improv showcases, for instance. So you can actually mm-hmm. see people work or you see other people who are um, performing and um, and being able to say, hey, look, I saw your performance. It would be nice to, you know, sit, sit down, have some coffee and talk about, um, well, talk about what yeah. you've been up to.
1: Mm, makes sense. I mean, yeah, you can't really spend time with them and get to know them and that's a lot of ways you're going to get work is through those mm-hmm. connections,
2: Mm-hmm. which is why I'm able to do a lot of the remote stuff, because I can hang out on Facebook and we we've shared s- things like, hey, check out this kitty cat video. And they said, haha, mm-hmm. that's really funny. I mean, I was able to get um, a working relationship as a casting director for s- Super Flash Bros. Because um, I made ghost noises on my Facebook. And not, like, typed it <laughs> out. I typed out ghost noises and they just thought, you know what? Gimlin, you you are a fan of that ghost game, right? Right? Um, we can't use the stock audio for for this game, for the commercial version anymore, so would you be happy to record for us? Okay. And I record for it, and they said, you know what, we would like the rest of the cast filled in. Do you know any actors? Um, I can cast for you. Oh, we like this cast, can you cast for this other game? I guess I have another job now. So, I can make that kind of relationship online, but in person, it would be more ideal to, say, hang out with people in person, and get to see how they work, and Mm. so on and so forth.
1: Oh yeah, Mm. I, I can definitely see that. Plus, it would just be cool to hang out with some of those professional L.A. voice actors as well, I imagine.
2: Yeah, that would be so cool, even though they would be doing really crazy stuff like going to Burning Man.
1: <laughs> you can go to Burning Man if you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the middle of the desert. There are no fences or anything. You can go. Just wear lots of sunscreen.
2: Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I think I would cook in that sun. <laughs>
1: Probably. I think most people do. I can totally <laughs> yeah. understand. Yeah. Well, Don and I are both Canadian of, Canadians of Scottish descent, so we would more than cook at that sun.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I go up like an old-school vampire.
1: You don't sparkle?
0: No, that's why I said old-school.
1: <laughs> okay. <Ooh. laughs> wow, no CGI for you. Okay.
0: <laughs> so that's interesting, talking about meeting people. Do you find that that's, um better for the job than having an agent or could you do both or do you think an agent would be better
2: um an agent would be more ideal because they Mm. having an agent talk to the studios on your behalf would make such a big difference instead of you cold calling the studios like what i have been doing because on one end being networking with friends is good and they would be able to recommend you to studios but an agent has that more formal approach of having like tried-and-true, tested talent that they could recommend to casting directors.
0: Right.
1: Mm. So what are your goals? Like, what's your uh, ambitions in the voice acting industry? Obviously bigger and better roles, but do you have anything specific?
2: Hmm, let's see. Uh, I do know getting an agent is one big one. Um, You Mm. can't rush that because I do know that, well, you only have one first impression after all. Um,
1: But there's more than one agent.
2: Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Only one first impression per agent. Um, <laughs> per agent, exactly.
1: Or per, per agent assistant. For oh. agent
2: assistant, yes. <laughs> um, let's see, man. There's so many different projects out there I would love to work on. Like, man, oh man, wouldn't everybody want to work on a um, feature film for a Disney or Pixar? Mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe. I've I've heard yeah. mixed things about working for like Disney.
2: Oh. Right. But I still. It depends
1: which which branch. Disney TV is pretty good. Disney TV animation, I mean, is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the film side of things that can be a little tricky. Oh. Demanding. Yeah. Demanding would be the correct word, yes.
2: Let's see. Other things. Mm, Like, I. Right now, it's kind of like I really want to be in some kind of JRPG because i mean that's what got me into playing more video games was because of pokemon technically pokemon's a jrpg then you have stuff like oh, oh. look Arcadia, there's hardly any voice acting in that but i want to be in a jrpg um i want mm-hmm. to be huh. it's a man a lot of jrpgs i play don't have much voice acting golden sun but <laughs> right. but um uh, uh, but it would be nice to be like man i'm trying to think of examples of um Oh, JRPGs with voice acting. I know the Tales series has voice acting, and those are pretty good. I've auditioned mm-hmm. for one of them, but fingers crossed that someday they call me into audition for another one. You know. Um, uh-huh. Let's see.
1: JRPGs JP- almost a dying breed. I heard they're not really making so many anymore.
2: Well, uh, that's a funny one. That now that you think about it, because they are. A, people say that they are a dying breed, but people are still lining up to play persona 5 and the next final that. fantasy game
1: mm, that's true that's true hmm. i just i'd heard that since the consoles aren't doing as well as they used to that a lot of the companies just aren't producing them so much anymore
2: they are a bit of a risk though hmm. we can just how do we say this that there is a niche for everything as long as you play to that niche sure. and hmm. and um, form your basically form a game based on the budget Based on that niche, you can be successful. Kind of like how the the Disgaea series seems to be going for on for such a long time because they seem to they seem to have that um tactical RPG angle figured out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, I would love I think- to be in a Bioshock game, <laughs> though. I think that trilogy huh. is figured out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, for now, until they do the reboot.
2: Oh. shit.
0: <laughs> or the movie.
1: Actually, you brought up the word niche, and I think that's an interesting word. So would there be benefit for you for focusing on like a particular niche for voice acting? Is that a good thing or a bad thing to have like a niche where you're kind of like one of the experts or you specialize in?
2: Well, to start out with, if... That's actually a good thing to have a niche or a typecast, so to speak. Because when you first start out, you think you're good at everything. The problem is the casting director doesn't know what you specialize at. Because it's kind of like uh, picking people for a football team. You want to pick specialists who for specialized roles. So, for instance, if they, if the casting director knows that, okay, you're good for tomboys, I'm going to cast you for tomboys, there's going to be plenty of tomboys out there to cast for. That think think of all the people who are being typecast for the for the ingenue, for instance or the or the very sprightly energized happy go lucky hero dude for and that's why you hear the same voice actors over and over because they specialize not to say right. that you can't do more things, but it's sort of like there's a reason why Johnny Young Bosch at first was known for the happy plucky lead, but then suddenly, for some reason he's also known for playing the more devious types like villains like Isaiah, or spoiler alert someone from Persona 4 (laughs) so and um it's kind of like you kind of work at it for a while like for when I started voice acting I realized that most people were casting me because I have this uh, vocal fry quality to my voice that lends really well to like tomboys or people who just take charge sound more earthy and after a while I've do, being typecast for that, I decided to broaden my range into, what else can I use this voice for? I realized that a lot of the time, it's the acting that sells your voice. So, I realized mm-hmm. I can also sound like a lot of older women that they don't usually have a lot at, a lot of in the amateur um, community. So, I practiced that, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm in several indie games as an older lady. Because they don't have enough older ladies recording, apparently.
1: Right. So...
2: There's that, no, and you just keep working at that, it. That's quite a niche. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, is, is, do you ever get scared of becoming like, um, say, what's the fellow's name? Is it Richard Cullen that did Optimus Prime where you get so well-known as Cullen. a role? Peter Cullen. Yeah, Peter that Cullen. any time you speak, people only think of that one character. Is that something you worry about?
2: Sometimes, but I will say that eighty to, 70 to 80% of the time, everyone's cast for their natural voice. So you can't really help hmm. it. Though I've heard that Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, has to be has to deal with people all, always being all like, er, "I don't know." He's Goofy, though. So, but then again, you have Charles Mar- uh, Martinet, the voice of Mario, also voicing for Parthenax in Skyrim. So you never know. You just have to keep working at it.
1: Hmm. Right. Hmm. Well, okay. I guess that's only an issue if you become really, really famous for one particular voice and like. Yeah, like famous. poor Nolan
2: North, or oh look, it's Nathan Drake again. <laughs> oh look, it's it's mm. Troy Baker. <laughs> he is um he's Booker DeWitt everywhere. He's also Joel from Last of Us.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> but does that make that easier yeah, exactly. to get jobs, her? Or...
2: There are pros and cons for everything. Like, um, if you get really well-known, then it's kind of like, oh, cool, you get, you basically have that niche. You will get jobs. Then you have the whole, like, um, feast-famine aspect of, oh, wait, you're oversaturated. Crap! No, don't oversaturate me! If I get used too much, they won't give me jobs for several years because they're afraid of overusing me.
1: So, mm-hmm. have you actually gone to any conventions? Like, I mean, are there... Have you been invited as a voice actress to different conventions?
2: To a few of them, yeah. Um, I did get invited to a few My Little Pony conventions because at the time I was the I was the voice of Rarity in the Fighting is Magic game, which is basically like a parody game based on the series, but <laughs> it was too good. Hasbro had to defend their brand, so they get, had to give it a cease and desist. So there's that. Right. But, haha, <laughs> chokes on them. Now I work for Hasbro on occasion as the voice match for Rarity on for a few licensed games, but that aside, um, let's see. I okay. have been invited to a few anime hmm. conventions because of my work on Skullgirls, and one furry convention because hmm. of my work on Dustin Elysian Tail for Fidget.
1: Huh. So the furry convention, were the people in the audience actually wearing costumes?
2: Yes, and they were so much fun to be be with because it's sort of like, I can just meow, and they will meow back.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs>
2: They were a lot of fun to be with.
1: Right. So is there actually a lot of demand for voice actors? Like, I mean, for people to come to voice acting panels and things like that?
2: Um, I think so. Because I do know that there is something like um another aspect to voice acting, which is working the convention circuit. Because when you can't network in person, the least you can do is network with other talents at the conventions themselves. So... Makes you know, sense. Yeah, which is how I was able to audition for one studio for uh, for one project because he was because we were able to do a performance live reading together and he heard what I was able to contribute and then he kept me in mind.
1: Well, so they actually have you do like live readings at the conventions.
2: Whatever the panel asks for, so it's sort of like I do know that one of my friends likes doing the live readings because that gives the actors an ability, the ability to do what they are known for doing, acting. Mm. And then, I mean, lots of people like to see a demonstration of our skills. And that's usually the fun ones aside from just doing questions and answers.
1: Right. Now, have you ever been tempted to actually, like, cosplay as one of your characters at a convention?
2: I've been tempted. At the same time, it's kind (laughs) of like, it's hard to cosplay as Fidget because she's a tiny little nimbat. But maybe one day I'll try to figure out to do a closet cosplay or kind of like a more stylized, humanized version of Fidget though for misfortune okay. it might be kind of <laughs> tricky because she has like she only has that little top that barely sometimes gives the underboob based on i don't know how the laundry is feeling that day for her <laughs> and mm. and her pants that are ripped up that kind of that kind of defy gravity now that i think about it because it's just hanging off her legs right um and um let's okay. see hmm it's really tempting because some of them have really cool outfits some i would just have to sit down and go you know what? Yeah, I want to cosplay as Ven. Ven looks cool. She makes swords float in the air. I will have to be creative with that one, but I think it's possible.
1: Mm. Hmm. Wires. We're We're wires, friends. Friends. yes.
2: Ooh, and they'll bounce up and down as you walk, too, so they look like they're doing that cool hovering effect.
1: <laughs> or you could get drones. You could get little drones and have, have them set to follow you around and they're like, have a little cosplay swords on them or something.
2: Whoa, that sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be all like yeah actually... I am Ben check out my swords they float Woo exactly <laughs> well you can get
1: drones that actually are set they'll actually follow your phone around so you set you tell them where to be relation to you in the air and they just kind you just walk around and they follow you it's usually That's... used for like the following camera effect but you could do it for that too
2: huh that is so cool I didn't know that technology
1: <laughs> yeah technology is awesome and creepy at the same time Yep. <laughs>
0: Those things often go together, I notice,
1: yes, they do, <laughs> so I said when
0: you're talking about um getting gigs, uh is there a lot of competition amongst voice actors
2: oh yeah the the whole every single audition, even though there are some times where um casting directors would go for tiny pools as possible because they just want to narrow it down to the very very best top picks that they can get some there have been some auditions like uh i haven't participated in an audition for like say cora for instance but i heard Mm. that they had to go through thousands of auditions for that one thousands and they only had so much time to listen to everybody because everybody wants to work on something on a animated series for nickelodeon right of course
0: now, are those like actual like voice actors or is it a do you get a lot of people like walk-ins and folks that just see the ad and think, I hey, give this a try?
2: Maybe not too many walk-ins because um, they try to keep these very confidential because if they were hmm. if it was public, then you'd have a way more than a thousand people trying out if they wanted to be in Korra.
1: Um, yeah.
2: But the yeah. thing is that there are a lot of different kinds of actors who um, who are called in to audition first for certain series too like lots of you might notice this in more recent um animated series they like to have comedians audition too because they have a better sense of comedic timing they like to have um camera actors because lots of um casting directors like to immerse themselves in all kinds of different kinds of medium media Mm -hmm. yeah and they would they like to think to themselves yeah i like to hear that person on a mic let's see how they act on a on uh, as a voice actor. And um, it, you have a lot of camera on-camera actors, comedians, and basically lots of different performers auditioning.
1: Right. And stage actors, don't forget that. And
2: stage actors, of course. Lots of Broadway hmm. actors for animated features, for Disney, for instance, because they need yeah. all those singers.
1: Right. Well, Nathan Lane can't do everything. <laughs> that is true. Okay, maybe he can, but he okay. shouldn't do
2: everything.
0: <laughs> Although that would be funny. I'd like to see his take on Garfield the cat.
2: Oh. <laughs> ah, Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Bring over that bug lasagna, Pumbaa.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That would be. So, Kimlin, tell us, what people... are oh, Sorry. What don't people understand about voice acting? Is there something that, like, um, an idea that people have about voice acting that really kind of bugs you or that you really want to clear up?
2: Hmm. Because there are a lot of misconceptions. Let's see. Because it's sort of like, I do know the most recent misconception I've heard that several voice actors were talking about just this week. What was about um, what they think acting was because it really, there were some challenges I had to overcome because of my own misconceptions about voice acting when I started out, such as acting was only for, uh, basically acting was more involved, really tense and exertion when really sometimes acting is just a matter of like who you are as a person, how sincere you are as a, as a character it's because it's sort of like, you are much more believable when you're when you've been upset in person rather than you work yourself up to that moment of being upset. People, some people think, oh, acting is just being method, doing things in real life, and then it'll and, and it'll just translate to the performance. And while method is a process, but the, the point to method is internalizing these experiences as opposed to like getting getting your head chopped off in the booth.
0: Mm. I can see that mm-hmm. yeah I, I think maybe some of that comes from like uh uh rob and myself were both old and i remember back in say like the 70s even into the 80s for a lot of voice acting for animation even the feature like the tv especially but the features it wasn't acting so much it was mugging for the camera
2: Ooh, yeah
0: yeah that, and and i think what's what's happened in the uh the last few years um is that idea that people are starting to think of it more as acting because, uh, like you say, there's more of a sincerity to it. Uh, There's more of an actual expression of character rather than, yeah, just say the catchphrase and make a funny noise and let's go out and drink.
1: Oh, the crusty the clown approach. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting because it's sort of like when you hear... Um, less experienced actors come in sometimes they kind of forget that it comes from a very genuine sincere place that makes them who they are what makes their performances and their choices unique that make them stand apart from everyone else who has the same voice as them
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, other misconceptions is that people think it's just a matter of reading into the mic and sure we do have the script in front of us but again we have to be able to bring those words to life and bringing the words to life isn't just like, hello, I will make things sound very announcery, even though there are <laughs> things that call for announcery things out there. It's kind of like coming from the place right. that, e- lots of ad campaigns, for instance, at the moment, they're going for a more natural feel to them. Like you are a person next door, someone who isn't selling to them, none of that hard sell stuff. And it's kind of like, um, they. while there are people out there where voice acting comes easy to them, it doesn't come easy to everybody that's like saying oh you know what i am now kind of like the i'm now angelina jolie i am in all the things how do i become famous like angelina jolie you need to liquidize your assets and buy nothing but powerball tickets it's you can't do that it's not that easy (laughs) so it's kind of like so people think it's easy to become a voice actor not to say and it's kind of like it's one of those things where, yeah, the process is easy enough. But mastery, though, that's the hard part.
1: Right. Mm. So then what advice do you have for people who want to become voice actors?
2: Let's see. There are all kinds of, of different ways to go about it. I know that to work on your enunciation, try to read aloud as much as you can. Someone told me that reading five, reading something aloud for five minutes a day gives you a head up over everybody else out there. And the more you read per day, the better. Um, like, uh, let's see. And if you can act, the thing, the way to go about it is kind of like, the better, it's sort of like, uh, instead of just reading to yourself, even better would be like reading and reacting off of other people. Like when you're reading a script, try to really listen to what you're reacting to so you're not just acting in a vacuum. I do know that other things to serve, like try to think of your voice acting as music. Because when you, for instance, when you ride the Haunted Mansion, try to pay attention to how much Paul Fries is like really um, giving personality and physicality to each of the words. Like, like, like when you hear Whisper, the way that he just hushes down to make it make you listen to him very intently, and, and the way he when you hear the word echo, how he makes his voice boom out. Basically, think of like onomatopoeia or personifying these words because sort of like that's how I practice a lot of um, uh, script reading or um, for uh, public speaking when I was in college was because I had to pay attention to what these different words meant, what their connotations were, all these different nuances Mm. that these words can do. Basically, you're painting with your voice you're all what all these different mm. words can mean so all these wonderful words that writers can appreciate We're basically we have to figure out what these what these writers are trying to do with these words and this hardest part of all is that when the writers have to write subtext which is usually stuff that's not written at all we have to figure out mm. the stuff that's not even written that's the hard part for vo- voice acting but if you are able to add that kind of like that extra layer of acting by understanding the subtext of what the writer is writing down that adds so much more to your performance. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I
1: can see that. Actually, that brings a question to mind then. Do you ever like look at a script and think, Oh God, no. Like <laughs> you, that the, just the way it's written or something makes you actually just hate the writer. Difficult?
2: <laughs> um. Let's see. I did. I do know that, um, when I was practicing commercials, for instance, I was just like, Oh my gosh, look at all these numbers and fractions I have to read, all these scientific words. How am I gonna read all of these and make it sound interesting? But then again, that was also like a creative challenge is sort of like, how do I make this interesting for the for the listener? How am I supposed to make mm. these ideas come across that, okay, these are different shades of blue? How to make do I make each of these different shades of blue interesting? Um, and to serve like from my inner actor is like, okay, this is a unique challenge. I have to make this work. So that part of it mm. doesn't make it so bad. Though I will say there have been times where certain scripts scare me because it's like, okay, the script makes no sense. I have to make this work. Yeah. Right. It's like pretending, <laughs> pretending you're on. Uh, Pretending you're on one of those reality TV shows for cooking and you're just like, you're given these ingredients, make a meal out of it. And you're just like, oh, okay, (laughs) I have to make it work. You can't just give up. You're getting paid for this. Do your best so Mm. yeah it's stuff like that um there are some scripts that made me go the script makes no sense how is this supposed to be funny this is a comedic script but nothing (laughs) what is this This not no Mm. and I had to go like okay if I'm the character I have to make sense for the character what kind of archetype is my character supposed to embody she's a little nutsy cuckoo okay so she's often in her own world so she feels a bit more distant from the rest of the cast good how does she react to everyone how does she draw other people into this world or is it a matter of her world leaking out to everyone? Stuff like that. Creative challenges that you have to figure out. So there have been mm. scripts that scare me. But at the same time, I, I still have to engage with it in a professional manner.
1: Mm. Yep. <laughs> You're being paid, so you got to just do it the way they want.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> That's interesting when you talk about um when you were describing like painting a picture with your voice. Uh, I've heard musicians, especially from, um, like I'm a big fan of the power metal, who are like the guys who combine like classical and metal. And a lot of them talk like that too, that, that when they do their, uh, their singing and the way you present it, that it, it is. I, I've heard like that exact phrase used before. And I'm wondering, um, do you ever look at things like singing and how that works? Does that ever play a part?
2: Aside from the technical aspects, like um, understanding your head voice, your chest voice, and um, basically your amateur and so on, um let's see. I did think about it all the time because it's sort of like different. when you When you read certain words and certain questions, it's sort of like which it's kind of like the exercise of like which word should I emphasize that will send which message across? And to serve, mm. like, and to serve, like, sometimes when I was, like, practicing for commercials, I have to realize that I have to have a more um, positive feel to these words. I have to have a more of something that ends up at the end of the sentence, for instance, um, mm. instead of just, instead of just making it straightforward. And there's, like, there's so, mu- there's so much music to all this, and it makes me very curious because it reminds me of what my brother tells me when he's studying music that sometimes there's some some words or some songs that end on a very un, a note that's very un, inconclusive something that is like unsolved and that adds a little bit of mystery to to this song and it's sort of like okay something like that could be applied to voice acting what how can we read this that kind of leaves a something left to the to the audience to think about
1: that is a very professional attitude kimlin (laughs) like i mean the way you break that down and the way you think about it i think that's one of the reasons why you've been so successful so far you really are working to master your craft
2: oh shucks and i'm still learning
1: well we're all still learning we're all learning until we're dead those are your options you're either learning or you're dead oh no (laughs) i mean you can quit i mean in theory but you might as well be dead at that point yeah (laughs) speaking about artists in general not specifically you of mm-hmm. course <laughs> uh, but no i'm i mean i'm truly impressed with uh your knowledge of your craft i think you clearly studied very very hard and i think that uh it really shows And i think it's really paid off
2: mm-hmm. oh, uh, thank you <laughs> i'm a, like i'm a, yeah. like i'm a, i'm a, like twitter paid <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Don, did you have
0: any other questions? Uh, questions, no, but, um, I would like to say that, yeah, it's, it's voice actors are part of the, the process for animation and that, that I don't think a lot of people consider and, and it's Mm. not, it's, it's because it's not the flashy part. Like people know the animators, uh, they know the designers, some of the directors and it's interesting because, because as you said, as you've pointed out, um, there's a lot of theory and there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of practice and, and technique and effort that goes into it. And it's kind of this secret mysterious part of the process that, yeah, I don't think people realize just how much work has to go into, even if you're doing just some like wacky voice of the cartoon sidekick. That takes a lot of practice and a lot of knowledge. And yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have, um, have you on the show to kind of elucidate some of that for the audience.
2: Thank you for
1: having mm. me. Yeah. Well, th- again, thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. So I think on that note, I think that's a perfect spot to bring this to a close. So, mm-hmm. yes, thank you for coming on, Kimlin. We really appreciate you taking the time to come and visit us at the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm afraid we're going to have to wipe your memory after this. For <laughs> oh, no. For security purposes. But, you know, you understand.
2: Yeah, Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But hopefully our listeners will definitely remember what you've brought to the show. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on that note, thank you everyone for listening. And please tune in next time when we'll talk about something completely and totally awesome. Not as awesome as Kimlin, but something that's almost (laughs) as awesome anyway. That's not the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh (laughs) Good night, folks. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show.